0: rainwater yeah joe this is the end of season one <laughs> we've we've
1: made it this far
0: this is after this we will be in season two which means we will have done at least one year of this podcast
1: and we can introduce the new arc with uh the villain well, we haven't yet no <laughs>
0: oddly enough but uh, oddly enough on topic tonight we're talking about transitions we're That's right. talking about changing something from one thing to another. Um, I don't know if we're necessarily going to be talking about like character arc stuff. I mean, that falls underneath a transition when you start a character from one thing and move it to the other. But we mean the different kind of transition. Um, transition from a scene to another scene, from a yeah. tone to another tone, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, But, you know, we are transitioning to season two after this, which I think is kind of interesting and poignant. Um, So right off the bat, let me just ask you, in comics, what is the most challenging aspect of a transition? Because for me, I'm just thinking, well, you have a box and then you have another box and then you have another box. So, I mean, sometimes there's like a zigzag between the boxes that like, it's like, oh, it's a phone call. In, in, like, <laughs> that, that's the extent of my my comics knowledge of uh, transition. Sure. So enlighten me as to uh, some problems that may pop up uh, with that.
1: I mean, problems that pop up usually are trying to figure out uh, the problems I come across fairly often. Especially if there are multiple character arcs going on at the same time. So there's like an A story and a B story trying to transition mm-hmm. between scenes, right? trying to find like a fitting point to be like okay let's cut here and go to the you know either the the simultaneous the thing that's happening simultaneously or like maybe it's happening a little bit in the in the past or the future or whatever trying to figure out how to piece together all of those scenes in such a way that like narratively it makes sense and the viewer isn't just like kind of scratching their head going like okay but like where in time does all this happen you know like I, I, you know, for me, I find probably the easiest transitioning to do is like flashbacks, generally, because you can. There are definitely a bunch of different tools that you can use in comics where you could you could open a scene up. I'm talking about flashbacks too, because I'm about to do one <laughs> in this current chapter that I'm working on right now. Um, you can open up with like captions. You know, so basically like a dialogue box that has dialogue where you're not really sure where it goes to, but you know it's taking place outside of the currency. So, like, you're already being prepared. Basically, that works as, like, a voiceover, right? Like, if this were film. Um, so, like, in film, you know, you can have a transition where you have a voiceover start at, before, like, a, before you change scene, and then maybe you cut to you know, the person who's talking, right, over the scene that you are watching. Um, same sort of logic can apply, you know, in comics. Um, other transitions that you could do that also apply in the same way to comics as to, like, film, uh, you could do match cuts. Um, so, like, maybe we need to define better what a match cut is, I guess. But, like... <laughs> Zero.
0: It might help to some people that don't know what exactly what (laughs) that terminology means. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, a match cut would be like either finding, um, either having the same composition between two different scenes. So, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, let's say that you end on a scene where you have like a close up. Maybe it's a close up on like a car headlight or something. And maybe you cut to the next scene in the headline. If the headlight was on in the previous scene, maybe it's off in the next scene. So you have an an understanding that time has passed. Something's changed. Um, or you could have, let's say you have, um, you have like an establishing shot of a house, right? And it's nighttime. And then the next scene, it's the same establishing shot, but it's daytime. So that would be considering, considered like, a match cut, and that's like the very bare bones idea of that, right? Like you can really expand on that and expound on it. Uh, there are totally interesting and unique ways to do that, film and in comics, where um, you can but you can mess with that idea conceptually, where you maybe you maybe you end a scene where somebody is talking about like maybe figuratively like they feel like. Oh, I feel like I'm, you know, uh, I feel like I'm getting my arm chopped off here. And then the next scene is like maybe a a hunk of meat being chopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, that's one. That's like, in terms of transitioning between scenes, that would be kind of a a brief rundown on some things or some ideas for you, Jal. Do you have any? uh, Do you have any other ideas that come to mind when talking about that particular? like means of transitioning. Cause that is like a very, what I was talking about is maybe a bit more of a, a nuts and bolts and we can get into other ideas in, in regard to transitions. Well, I've noticed
0: that, you know, like what I've, so when I went, I a uh, a couple weeks ago, I went back and watched digits. I don't watch it often, but I did. Um, and I would be willing to say that my biggest flaw or failure of the film that i noticed about myself was that transitioning between scenes was my big problem and i wasn't paying attention to it when i was doing it It wasn't even a thought yeah um from a story aspect mostly not from uh, like a i want to call it a physical <laughs> aspect but there's no actual physicality to it but the the idea the aesthetic jump i guess you could say yeah um it was It's very jarring, and the thing about it was to me is that it was, So you were talking about, you know, you have a character turning a key in a car, and then the next cut is like a headlight turning on, but then you find out it's not the headlight. It's actually the yeah. porch light to somebody's house or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that kind of stuff requires a lot of forethought, and that was not something that I realized that I needed at the time. So for me, it, you know, transitioning is a lot about thinking it thinking it through so if you don't have solid transitions it's almost impossible to to like finagle them in post for film yeah um you need to plan that out like all the way down to the script page like you need to have opportunities like when you're on set you could be thinking about you know opportunities if they're not in this uh the script already it's like oh how are we going to cut from there to there if you haven't storyboarded it or anything already um for me, I, I like that was one of the big things about haunted when I started doing it was I realized,, um, well, that when I started doing it, when I started a rewrite a couple weeks ago, um, was that I needed to focus in on those transitions between scenes because I need to accurately juggle pace. That was my big thing with digits was that the transition between pacing would go fast, slow, kind of fast, faster, faster. Kind of fast, faster, slow. Like it was like really all over the place. So, and when you're talking
1: about that pacing, are you saying like, uh, like, the way that you're cutting from scene to scene is fast and slow? Are you talking about the scenes themselves? The scenes, like the energy in the scenes, yeah,
0: and the amount of the the energy in the edits. So there could be a lot of edit, 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 edit. Next scene, long take edit edit yeah like that kind of tone like that rhythm and pacing
1: oh that's Uh, a really good thing to point out because that is something that for sure like that's like the i watched the whiplash by the way that goes into the uh nice the musicality right of like film uh, or of visual storytelling right Mm. um and that's something that you know i was kind of thinking about in the back of my head because i was trying to Whiplash stuck with me in a lot of ways, but the, one, the, one, the, the ways that I didn't pay as much attention to was maybe like, you know, ways that scenes transition. I will say there's a movie that successfully uses transition to an alarm clock successfully.
0: <laughs> I don't recall that in transition, <laughs> but now I'm going to have to go back and watch it.
1: In a way that, like, is functionally, you know, sensible and, uh, like, works with stuff that's already set up in the story because like over the course of that story you're learning about this character who is like he has a lot of ambition to be like a great drummer but also he is in some ways kind of either because he's young or whatever kind of there are things happening to him that kind of standing they're standing in his way to a certain extent and one of those things is like timeliness like making it making it to practice, making it to uh, yeah these yep. big competitions on time. So like,
0: which is they're... the theme of the movie about being on time.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like that, I, that just brought that up to me because, uh, you were talking about basically the timing of how, yeah. how we figure out how to do like in visual story, storytelling, how we figure out how to do like those transitions. Um,
0: Well, I think the big part about it is it's subtlety. I wanted to say it takes a long, like it's slow, but that's not the truth. Slow is easier to sneak by someone unnoticed, but subtlety is really the key. Like like you don't want someone to notice that a transition has happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you really pointed that out to me too in a previous episode when you were talking about um, J-cuts and L-cuts. And – Because I was thinking about how older, like much older movies, right? Like watching the Universal Monster pictures. Yeah. A lot of them haven't, yeah, they haven't figured out like how to do that appropriately. A lot of them. It's just like scene, 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 you know? And there's not like those tricks haven't been adopted yet. Right. And those are things that they figured out over time as like, you know, you watch anybody who makes something, they watch their own work later on and go, oh, you know, I could have done that
0: better yep oh absolutely (laughs) Um, but but, yeah the thing about the the transitions for me for digits was like I it was the one thing that I was looking at and I was like if I was going to re-edit this that would be what I would fix I would find I would get creative with the edit and try to figure out how to transition from scene to scene without it being so jarring I mean a lot of times people could just you know you cut to Uh, you know you hold on like silence for a moment and then you cut to like a wide establishing shot of something and that's you know it's a very accepted way to abruptly change transition where it's like it's accepted by the audience it's like oh i noticed you transitioned but i'm okay with it like you know what i mean whereas if you just did like a hard cut from a close-up to a close-up somewhere else there's a risk there that it might not work um And that's kind of what happened a couple of times, and that's really what jumped out at me. So I think that's what I would would change. But now I'm in the point where I'm doing a pass on Haunted where I'm just looking at the beginning of the scene, the end of the scene, and the next scene. You know what I mean? Like I'm figuring out like, oh, okay, if I'm going from this to this, what are going to be – what are some things in this next scene that I can be start the scene on where is the camera pointed on this like you, you know what i mean so like if, if we're going from somebody running through the woods then maybe um i don't know then we cut to a hardwood plank but then we reveal we're we're at a cabin you know what i mean like it's one of those things where i'm really trying to get creative and that's going to save me a lot of time on set you know what i mean trying to solve problems there which is the biggest problem all films have is people haven't thought something through yeah. And so if I can think that through now, it it shouldn't be a problem. You know what I mean? Like and that's what I'm really trying to hone in on because the problem is is we, this really comes into transitions is is pacing your story and you want to ramp a story up. You want to start kind of slow and you or or slower is a subjective sure. You know what I mean? Slow in comparison to where you're going to be. That, that's the way I should describe it. Um, and there should be no real pumps on the brake. you know what I mean It's either a hard, solid definite pump on the brake or you're accelerating the entire time. that's that should be the kind of momentum that's going forward. The, the only time you should slam on the brakes is for like a definite story beat in which you're gonna make you know oddly enough a, a, like a hard left turn. Uh, with the story or something that's going yeah. on. that's like So you kind of have to look at transitions and the pacing of, of a story as driving, in my opinion. That's like you really oh, have yeah. to kind of like think <laughs> it, think of it like driving while you're actually doing a revision or the actual writing. Like you have to think about, am I still stepping on the gas here? Am I moving forward? But am I also moving forward a little bit faster than I was before? Is there momentum behind the car now?
1: And that's something
0: I'm really grasping now.
1: Or even I was going to say is, um, and this also depends on sort of the format of the story that you're working on. I mean, if it's like a longer, like if it's a television series versus if it's a movie, kind of different priorities. But um, like, let's say that you're doing a television series. Sometimes it's useful to have episodes where you slow down because you can't just, there's like a certain capacity to yeah. which you can build up and you have to save the those bigger builds for towards the end of like your, your season or your series or whatever. Um, so you have to kind of think, you have to pace out episodes to say, okay, we have this big action episode. Maybe the next episode needs to be like, we slow down a little bit and we focus on the characters for a, a little bit. Develop some stuff here and there. Maybe there's some family life stuff that goes on for the main character to give them a little more depth. But that, so that, but it,
0: that goes back to what I said about there needs to be, like, a hard slam on that break. You I got can't you. Just, you oh, can't just you. decline. It, you got to yeah. hit a wall because dramatically, you know what I mean, once, once you're moving, you have to dramatically keep the audience engaged. And to decelerate, you have to do abruptly because it, it, it means that conflict – has not been overcome, but conflict has overcome our character. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Like to me, that's what it says. Whereas de deacceleration is more like a character giving up. Like they start getting oh, and it starts getting, and that's when things get boring. But yeah. slamming into a brick wall is conflict. It's you know what I mean. Like it's it's it's. I don't know how else to describe it. It's damage. It's. You know what I mean? Like, that sure. is the way to decelerate because it, it's abrupt enough that it will catch your audience off guard and wake them up. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like you were on cruise control for a while. And cruise control means you're moving forward, but you're not accelerating. And when you're doing a, something like a TV show, there is a, a very good um, inclination to either decelerate or hit cruise control, one of the two. And that's why... A lot of uh, shows kind of lose you halfway. You know what I mean? Like they'll start to sure. hit two, the cruise control, and then you tune out, and it's like, oh, two or three episodes. <laughs> I was really into this, and now it seems like we're not really moving anywhere. And that's yeah. the that's the problem that TV shows have. And then the it's it's a two edged sword because, like, I think of something like Twenty Four, where they shot themselves in a the foot. And you know, most TV shows have like twenty one episodes for a half hour sitcom, which would equal out to about 12 or 13 full hour episodes so to do 24 full hour episodes is insane so like yeah. the first time we were watching uh the first episode or season of um 24 like halfway through they kind of solve the terrorist plot and they have to kind of pivot to oh no now his daughter's been kidnapped and everybody was like oh really <laughs> like we're going to this like yeah. That's, that's a problem because they you know, sure. uh, it, it's a matter of pacing. Um, so they, but they transitioned it just mm, crappily. And that was really the problem is that like, when you find someone who knows how to transition something properly, they, they interweave there, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like yeah. cross cutting when you, when you can cross cut, that's a great way to transition. You have two things going on, parallel action happening two different places at the same time. You cut to one happening somewhere, cut to something happening somewhere else, the audience starts getting in, filled in, okay, this is happening there, that's happening there, and then you stick with the one that becomes more interesting or more pertinent to the story at that point in time, and then all of a sudden nobody's remembering about the other thing that you're cutting to because you're they're there, you know what I mean? It, it goes right. back to that number one rule, which is about uh, suspension of disbelief, immersion into the story. And, you know, again, it reaffirms what I was talking about before about the subtlety of it. You don't want people to notice. That's that's the biggest thing I would have to say about transitions is that the moment someone notices it, that's when you kind of get lost. But I mean, not to sound like a hypocrite, but sometimes the transitions can be so fucking cool that you notice it and you're like, oh, that's awesome. I like this. Um, and immediately my brain goes to, uh, two movies that I know, you know, well, Scott Pilgrim versus the world and, uh, Speed Racer.
1: Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Speed Racer had
0: crazy ass transitions all the time. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, and they called attention to themselves and for some reason it works. It It really does
1: for sure. Oh, another movie that I was just thinking about was suicide squad um they have transitions where they're like doing um which one are you
0: talking about the recent one or the the david ayer one
1: the recent one the james okay yeah okay because they have transitions where they will do like basically chapter like chapter starts right where it's like and i can't remember the names of them but they'll do a name i think it was like either it's a name of a character or a name of a place and it's done in a very creative way but it really points out like hey we're we're transitioning to the next part of this story. And yeah, we want kind of like
0: to... the Tarantino with the chapter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which
1: is, which is, it works for Tarantino because it's Tarantino and he does it in a particular way, but you couldn't do that with just any other story. You know what I mean? Like it's something that's so the way he does it is so, um, he does it. Like
0: he sucks you into something yeah, and then when you're literally about to fall off your seat, he's like, "Hold on, sit back." <laughs> yeah, basically. Let me tell you something about something else. And that's like he knows he has you in the palm of his hand. Yeah. When he does it, it's like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" Hey, it, like he he's punching you in the face. Like I guess that's the the other way around. It's like you can't you can't meander with transitions. I guess what it is. I, I guess that really comes down to it. So it could be subtle, or it could be a hard punch in the face. I guess that's, but it can't be, you know, in the middle of it because like I'm thinking immediately I start thinking about the, um, and this is a transition in itself, the end of inception.
1: Yeah. Right. When
0: he get, when the top is spinning, right. And then all of a sudden he cuts to black. That's a transition to the end credits. Yeah. That to that's a hard punch in the face where it's like, Oh I forgot I was watching a movie. I don't know if that was, you know, if he was dreaming or if he was awake or whatever. Like, like, so I guess that's really what it is. It's either you either got to be really sneaky or really bold when it <laughs> well, comes to your transitions. Well, I'm
1: in my head thinking of bad transitions. Can you think of any yourself, Jal? Like any movies or stories where, like, the transitions were not done particularly well, like especially in that middle. I'd love to think of some examples of like those kind of middle middling transitions where it's like it leaves you confused or it it's disjointed or whatever. You well, know? it's
0: hard. It's hard to, to think of anything now, because as you know, in this day and age, we are now subjected to all of the wrong types of editing and transitions <laughs> On such a constant basis that we have accepted them as okay. So like you Uh, watch a a YouTube video, a YouTube tutorial, people do jump cuts right then and there. And like back in the day, that was heavily frowned upon. Don't you dare do a jump cut, like cut within the same shot, like a few seconds between, you know, the last thing and the next thing. Like you need to have some kind of transitional shot, right? You have to have a cutaway or B-roll or something like that. No, people just do cut, 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 and they cut out all the crap that they don't want. So we've come to a point where we've accepted that. So it's it's interesting to, to think about that because now nothing really jumps out at me unless, you know, it's just a, such a bad movie. Like if you're watching Things, um, which is a terrible movie if you haven't seen it, don't don't I track it down. That. Do not track it down. It's a VHS movie. Don't do it. Um <laughs> It's just one of those things where um, I, I I can't think of anything. I it's just it's mundane. Oh, if,
1: I have ideas. Um, go for uh, it. Wipe cuts, right? Like uh, as Star in, Wars. Yeah, prequel especially. It works okay in the original trilogy, and I think it's because. I don't know why. I'm willing to accept it in the original trilogy, I guess, cuz it's older, but in the prequel it's like, why are we still why are we still doing wipe cuts? It's like, a
0: wonder it's a wonder if you watch that and you think to yourself, is this nostalgia that yeah. that's making me allow this or or are they like so called attention to in the newer films where it's like, "Hey, here's a wipe cut." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like cuz that's the type of shit that fucking uber nerds in the fucking movie theater will yeah. applaud they'll be like yeah he
1: did a fucking dissolve wipe down like
0: that's that's the type of shit that well, makes even the me...
1: little spiral wipe like which is like the cheesiest yeah. of all the possible just like you yep. don't like what are you doing
0: yeah it that's like that trippy oh let's try this and see what happens yeah. so it's like no people have tried this it doesn't work um <laughs> yeah no th- those are definitely some of the things that don't work
1: um well the next thing i was wanting to talk about is sort of what um what is the criteria maybe what do you feel like is a criteria for saying like all right here's the end of a scene we need to go to a we need to go to a new scene in terms of like you know in writing in in terms of writing a story like what for you is it all just like a sense of pacing are there other aspects that go into it, like in, into determining that point of saying, okay, it's time to end right here. We need to get to something else.
0: It, well, there's it's twofold because at one point you want, like so if you have two characters sitting in a coffee shop talking to each other, you want to exit on the biggest moment when the guy is like, no, 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 your wife is cheating on you. And then all of a sudden you have like somebody staring back and it's like, what? And then you want to go to the next scene of him already confronting her or her reacting to him confronting her. You know what I mean? Like you want to build on that. But if you're in the middle of a scene where a bunch of people are trying to escape a werewolf in a covered tunnel and the werewolf drops down right near the entrance and they like blocking their exit. And then you cut to them running down the, the fucking, um, pathway it's like wait 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 no 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 you can't do that i don't i want to know what happened there um there so you know what i mean like you have to be you that's where the real artistry starts coming in is you have to have that gauge of when do i don't when do i don't and when do i do yeah and if you can't answer that question then you need to like really start going back and like studying things and starting to learn when and where why and it's not i don't know if that's something that can be taught necessarily it has to be observed
1: well something and... that i was thinking about was that um you know when writing out a scene i think especially for people who are starting out it's easier to kind of think of it in the sense of just logically thinking out every single step and just following all the way to its logical conclusion. Yeah, And that's fine when you want to like set up like all of the actions that you feel like are important within a given scene. But when you're going through that, you then need to kind of chop it up and say, all right, where's my moment of biggest emotional impact and what's leading to that moment? And then everything else after that either needs to go into a scene much later on or in a different episode or whatever and we'll come back to it because that's you know like you were saying right that moment of emotional impact is the point at which you want to leap to the next thing so you can build it up and go to the moment of biggest emotional impact and then you can go back to you know because like then you can go back to that original scene so like kind of going with your example of like you know oh your wife cheated on you you want to end right there because after that, it's, like, the explanation of that. Right. Well, if you go in through the explanation of that, you're killing all of that, like, momentum that was there that led up to that, right? Right. That All that energy just goes out, right? you got to listen. So save it, come back to it either next episode, and you begin next episode right there, right? You begin the next episode with the explanation of, like, how... How did he find out that, you know, his wife was cheating on him or whatever? But then you you really have to
0: to wonder about what is the next scene between the guy and the wife? Do you know what I mean? Because if the guy that's telling him your wife is cheating on you um, explains what happens or how he found out or whatever like that, then when we get to the scene where the guy confronts his wife, she's just going to be regurgitating information we already know as the audience, which means we're decelerating. We're starting to slow down. It's like, oh, I already know this. So that's why you would cut out on that scene of your wife is cheating on you. What? Cut to the wife standing at the kitchen table, like with her hair, head in her hair, you know, in her hands, yeah. and she's like distraught and everything like that. And then she just looks up and goes, I don't, I'm sorry. And then the guy's standing there and he's like, Why, why would you, how, where did this happen? Then she explains it. Cause I would rather hear it from her than I would from the friend. That's
1: an, an tr- interesting, mean? yeah. I, I was just thinking like another way of sort of rephrasing what you're saying cut out redundancies yeah oh absolutely like in that but that's a thing that does happen in a lot of movies where you're like oh we're doing this again like
0: like digits that's why. that's why I think digits has a (laughs) two-hour runtime there's a lot of redundancy going on um that doesn't need to be there and and that's where really some of the stuff that I I found is a flaw and you know what I mean so if people are explaining things that we already know as it it doesn't matter if the uh, if the characters know it it matters if we as the audience know it or not yeah. Sometimes that can be played for tension, don't get me wrong, um, because, you know, if if we're coming in and we know that the wife wasn't at the grocery store and the guy walks in and he says, so how was the grocery store? You know, it aids in that per- particular situation where it's like, oh, we want to see how good of a liar she is. and that's when we're kind of observing and we're making character growth and judgment there and this and that. And we're also observing him when he says, how was the grocery store? Because it's like, well, how long is he going to hold out from confronting her about this? Is he kind of being a douchebag about this? Is he setting her up to be the villain? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, get, get the answer and stuff like that. So, you know, you can learn a lot from that kind of stuff too. But, um, but yeah, if you're just regurgitating things that the audience already knows, um, nine times out of ten, where it's just like, uh, this is this is why this is where movies and TV show die. It's when the audience already knows something that someone sits down and explains to them. It's like sitting through a, a, a fucking lecture that you've yeah. already been through sixty times. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and this is one of the reasons why people don't go to church and and this is <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm dead serious because that's when i
1: stopped going cuz it's like i've heard this story all right
0: come on yeah no it's it's like the the flaw in in preaching is the yeah. execution they don't yeah. they don't upgrade their methods they don't you know spin the tail a little differently um and that's that's the problem i, I swear to you if if preachers and rabbis and whatnot and whatever kind of religious leaders, if they were better storytellers, and I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not fabricating religions or whatever like that. I, you know, whichever way people want to choose, that's fine. But when you're standing in a pulpit or whatever and you're telling a story to a mass, you need to understand how to tell that story in order to keep people engrossed, especially people who already know the story. You know what yeah. I mean? Like how you tell that story, the transitions are part of that. It's one of the reasons why I would argue that any movie that people rewatch over and over and in, still enjoy has nailed their transitions, has nailed Oh yeah. like not having redundancies in the story and, yeah. and deceleration and st- stuff like that. Like that's a real big factor in people wanting to rewatch and rewatch and rewatch something is because at no point during the rewatch do they feel like they're sitting in the same information that they already got. Like they can only get new things by noticing. And that's where more artistry comes in, where you start noticing attention to detail and people start, you know, artists are like hiding little Easter eggs and things. It's like, Oh, she moved her hand there. That's where, you know, this happened. And like, that's when people start noticing shit like that because they, you know, the time has been managed well and they can start looking around at other things. It's really that that's really how you have to play it. In my opinion, um, but I don't know if that has to do with transitions. I'm getting off topic.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's super useful because it's bringing it's bringing to mind for me. Uh, I recently watched the uh, the first part of the Denis Villeneuve Dune, and so. I've been told I to
0: watch it. I have not yet because it's not on HBO Max anymore.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you're going to... I didn't like it. I don't know if you're going to like it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, uh, anyway, my thing with the movie is... Uh, my spoiler-free um, complaints, basically, <laughs> uh, is that... It's basically like most of the movie is like, oh, they said the thing. And by that, I mean like they're just like kind of reciting things that if you've read the book, you would know and then be like, oh, you said the thing that I remember from the book. And for me, that's not like it's not very it's not an enjoyable read. It felt our watch. It's not an enjoyable. Watch. Would you call
0: it fan service?
1: I would. I would for okay. sure call it. I feel like that movie was made very specifically for fans of the book and not for anybody else, which to huh. me sounds like a terrible time for everybody else. And on top of that, like as somebody who's a fan of those books, I didn't really get all the stuff that I would have wanted out of it that honestly, I think David Lynch did better in his version of Dune, even though it's kind of a mess,
0: yeah, but like it, yeah,
1: <laughs> regardless of it being a mess. It was still a more interesting movie than what this turned out to be and for me part of that is it's terrible at like the first act is terrible at transitions it's slow it's plotting it doesn't properly establish any of the important like any of any of the important stuff that's going on in the story that gives you any reason for why you would even care about like paul atreides character um and it just feels like you're kind of you're kind of just watching like like a bad stage act I guess I don't know for me it was really slow and boring so the second and third acts get better and those are all the action heavy stuff so it was like okay we're just building to all the action stuff which for me the action stuff in the books were never the interesting parts all the interesting stuff in the books had to do with the complexity of the environment, of the world, of the inner, like, the the politics that were going on. None of that's really bothered with the story. So it's sort of like I'm watching people do sort of like a fan reenactment of, like, a bare-bones, stripped-away version of the story. So, anyway, point being... It was where, it was one of those uh, movie viewing experiences where for me, it felt very redundant. And it felt like I've seen this before, I've watched this before, I've read this before. Versus something like Lord of the Rings, which for me, I know we have different opinions about that that movie, but like for me, uh, when I I had read the books for Lord of the Rings before watching the movie, and I felt like I was re experiencing the story in a totally new way. And then, for some, for certain reasons, because certain things have been changed here and there, that always happens. That's not that big of a deal. But it was also because the way the story progressed was in a way that was, that was riveting, way more riveting than the books. Cause the books are, yeah, are terrible at transitions, like, <laughs> god awful. Like, you don't get transitions. You get, oh, by the way, can I just... Oh. Can I, do you have 30 minutes for me to talk to you <laughs> about Tom Bobadil and like how Tom Bobadil is, it's I don't know. It's kind of like
0: what? the the Mormons who knock on your door right when you're about to go and start raking the leaves and it's like,
1: no, I, I got stuff to do.
0: And That's then an ridiculous. hour and a half
1: later, you're like, wait, what happened to Frodo and Sam? And I was like, oh, okay, well then, you know, let's get back to Frodo and Sam and then, like, <laughs> You've got about five minutes with Frodo and Sam, and it's like, oh, can I tell you about the dwarves? Do you want to talk about, you know, an hour and a half about the dwarves? So, like, that's a very good example in storytelling of poor transitions because it's it's transitioning. First of all, because it's transitioning away from the story to just, like, background details. Sometimes they figure in in ways that are, like, important later on in the story, but a lot of times it's just junk. Yeah. And so comparing that book to Dune, where in Dune almost every background detail features into the actual plot of the story at some point. Which blew my mind because I was like I for a long time when I was listening when I was listening to the audiobooks is like why why are you giving me this information and then later on I'm like oh oh my god like this actually connected. That's a really cool feeling. That was a really cool feeling for me. In those stories, because it was like it was like you're given this huge box of Legos, and you're like, I don't know how all these Legos are gonna go together. Maybe they're just random pieces. And then you know, hours later, you're like, Oh, wait, there's a use for this piece. No way. Like to me, that's like a useful way of doing um, not necessarily transitions, but like how you're using information in a story. No, and how but that's
0: I mean. That's definitely a part of it. I can think of um did you ever watch uh, Stranger Things? Yes. I I watched the first season, I watched I think I watched through the second season. I have not watched anything past that. Like I think the second season did it for me. But I remember distinctly, I don't remember if it was first or second season though. Somehow they were doing flashbacks to Hopper's daughter. And every time they did and I just remember like a swing set and stuff like that, but I remember how they did it—it it was just—it stuck out at me as being so great and perfect on how they transitioned to flashbacks, because it felt like it was necessary to that moment. You know what I mean? It wasn't so much a setup and payoff type thing. It was more like a, "Hey, you need to know this right now," uh, but here's how we're gonna we're gonna show you why you need to know that. And I forget exactly how they did it, and I but I made a mental note to myself. I was like, "Oh, if I need to transition to flashbacks, I need to rewatch this." And play close, cl- um, pay closer attention, so I can rip that off. Um, so there are ways to do it. You know what I mean? I think just yeah. Tolkien. Tolkien sucks. But that's just my, <laughs> that's that's also just my like, opinion.
1: I mean, as somebody who is even a fan of Tolkien, I would agree with that. He's just not a good. He's not a good um, storyteller. He's like a good story writer. Like he's yeah. got he's got a good structure and he's got a good set of characters a structuralist
0: a uh a set piece type person a character a writer
1: yeah all but that. but in terms of, stuff. of editing it together and in terms of transitioning from one scene to the next absolutely gar- like garbage yeah always oh, structure and transition
0: are two very different yeah, things exactly. yeah oh absolutely and it's the same thing with game of thrones george R. R. martin is very much like um tolkien in that like i feel like he's he's like took too much from tolkien's book no pun intended Cause I remember trying to read a, a, a game, a, Th- a throne of ice and fire or whatever it was called. The first book song of and, ice and fire. Yeah. yeah. And I read it and I read parts of it and I got like maybe halfway through it. I'm just, I can't do this anymore. It's very, it's so tangential. And the fantasy stuff is just, you know, here, we're going to throw out words that you don't know how they are. And we're not going to tell you what they fucking mean. And it's like, well, that's the kind of shit I wish you would tell me what that means. <laughs> like go into the exposition of what a dire wolf is and all this shit and and they don't and that's part of the thing that really bothers me is like when you when you demonstrate a knowledge an ability to tell a good story and you know what I mean like and I guess I'm doing it right now but every story can be good right I think we're we're in agreement about that it doesn't matter what the story is nine times out of ten yeah. it's really about how it's told because I can tell you the story of how I got stuck in a Walmart while it was getting robbed Right. And that's innately just an awesome story. But if I start telling you, oh, I went in to get some bananas and then I saw this guy and he was walking backwards and he walked into the freezer and it turns out he was just doing a TikTok, And this has nothing to do with the fucking robbery part. Like, you know what I mean? And then you hear these people tell these stories. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, so then I threw the Snickers bar at him. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't tell you about that. So I was walking down the aisle and then I thought about maybe getting a Snickers. But that, like those people who don't know how to structure also don't know how to transition. But it's it's more it, like when you sit down and you hear someone tell that story, it's like this is going to be a chore because they don't know what they're doing in terms of telling a story. But when someone sits down and they're telling you a story and they know either how to transition or how to um, edit in terms of what's important for the narrative, but they don't know how to do the other one. Like they know one of them, one of those aspects, but not the other. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Because like, if I sit down for a David Fincher film, this motherfucker knows what he's doing. He knows how to tell a story. He knows what's relevant. He knows how to transition. It's going to be a good movie. If I sit down for a Huey Bowl movie, I know this motherfucker doesn't know what he's doing. I know it's going to be a terrible (laughs) movie. I can gauge expectations the right way. Right. Everybody else who falls in like the middle of that thing, it's like, oh, we go in and then if you start seeing like tidbits that someone knows what they're doing in one area, you immediately expect them to know what they're doing in all areas. And that's where I think a lot of frustration from an audience point of view comes in is when people don't, don't hit on all cylinders. And I think that's really one of the things that I really wanted to hit on this podcast was if you are a great writer... And you can tell yourself you're a great writer. I think I'm a great writer. I need to pay more attention to my transitions. It's that simple. You know what I mean? Like I need to start looking at that, and I need to be having that forethought about what's going to happen, setups and payoffs. There's no more immediate setup and payoff than a good transition. Like that's, and it's essential because the moment, the moment you have a bad one is the moment the cell phone comes out in the movie theater is yeah. the moment someone says, I'm going to go grab a bag of popcorn. I'm going to go run to the bathroom or whatever. Think about it. Think about the last time you were in a movie theater and you had to make the decision, okay, I got to go to the bathroom. I gotta. I really got to piss, right? Mm-hmm. When do you make that decision? Usually right after a transition, right? Yeah.
1: that It's was, usually uh... after
0: a bad transition when it's a hard cut to a wide shot and you're like, okay, that scene's done. We're on the next scene. Someone can tell me what happened and then you bolt. But if... If if someone's doing their job right, you end up, you know, holding that pee for like a half an hour because yeah. it's like it's like I, I I'm waiting for the moment for me to go. And really what you want to do if you're a good storyteller is make your audience piss their pants. That's just my uh, opinion. Absolutely.
1: No, that mean, that almost happened to me uh for fucking Return of the King. That was a hard one. That's a three that was like almost a four hour movie. Right. I just, but I was enthralled too. So like that's what kept me in. But yeah, I'd probably the last movie that I was like, oh, yeah, I can kind of skip out on this was uh, was The Green Knight, where I was just like, I, I think it was a transition between... Um, okay, first of all, The Green Knight is one of those movies where they kind of do like little vignettes on the way, you know, like on, on the way to yeah. do his big task. So like already right there, there's a lot of disconnected things in the narrative, because he's like, you know getting the head of somebody from out of a lake and has nothing to do with like not really I mean I guess you could connect it thematically maybe but like doesn't really feel like it narratively has much to do with everything else that's going on in the story and what the ultimate story becomes about Um, and that was one of those moments where I was just like well you know I could skip out on this and come back in just a moment I gotta go to the bathroom Um, point being just to sort of agree with what you're saying is like when things don't feel like they connect when yeah. they don't feel like they they feel out of place that's setup and payoff yeah. yeah yeah
0: that's why it's important to to demonstrate setups and payoffs early on in the film like you know what i mean like some people and this this goes back to that episode that we talked about setups and payoffs but i i am always of the belief that a setup and then there's a payoff and the payoff in itself is a setup for another payoff, and it, that that payoff is a setup for another payoff, and that's that's how you demonstrate to your audience that you know what you're doing, right? And it, again, it goes back to forethought. It goes back to really kind of demonstrating an, a knowledge of the craft, and that's what people do. Like, if you really can do that, you can make people like really hold their bladder as fucking long <laughs> as possible. But if you if you just keep doing okay, now this scene, okay, now this scene, okay, now this scene, then it, then the, the people will just be like all right, I'm gonna go to the bathroom and I might hit the next snack bar on the way back. do I want M&Ms or do I want popcorn do it you know like that's yeah. when you that's when you lose them is because they don't feel like anything is pertinent, nothing is relatively you know of importance or whatever like that. So um, I think setups and payoffs have a lot lot to do with it, but it's always the transitions where people take the bathroom break. Yep. It, it's yep. 100%. Anybody who's listening to this, they, I challenge you, I challenge you to notice the next time you go to the bathroom in a movie theater and see if you made that decision right after a scene ended or not. Cause you know what I mean? Nobody's in the middle of a scene and they get up and go. And that's where, this is what I wanted to get with this. I think a good way to solve this problem is to, you stay with me now. So in, within a scene, there are edits, right? You're going from one shot to another shot or whatever, um, one panel or to another panel. Um, if you look at all of the scenes in a movie or a story or a comic, whatever, as edits to one big scene, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we talked about the, the, the L cuts and the J cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. You have to look at it like that from scene to scene. So like you do those kinds of things when you're cross-cutting between two people at a table having coffee, but if you do that, you know, going from the coffee scene to the kitchen scene, then that's what people stick with it. Like it, it, it all builds to one particular whole entity. It's not a bunch of fragmented pieces. And this is and so we talked about, you know, the subtlety. It's the most challenging to have a transition like that. Go from go in a, uh, a feature film because you have two hours-ish, right? And you to to transition that many times and not lose, somebody is a fucking juggling act beyond measure. For television, it's a little bit of a different nature because nine times out of ten, you're working on commercial breaks, yeah. and that ends up screwing with you because at, at that point, no matter what, you are consistently hitting walls at least three or four times throughout your story where mm, we have to stop for a moment. And... It's very, it's interesting. Like today, I was watching an episode of The Fresh Prince. Um, it was a Christmas episode where Uncle Phil was telling a story to uh, his son Nicky, the little, the, the smallest kid in the uh, thing or whatever, about how he got his uh, four middle names. And it was at Christmas time, and Uncle Bill or Uncle Phil is telling Nicky in his bedroom the story of how he got them. And at one point, Nicky goes, "Uncle Phil I, or uh, Daddy, I love this uh, story so much, but I got to take a pee pee break." And then Uncle Uncle Phil's like, okay, you only got two minutes, though. Go. And he runs away, and then they cut to commercial break. And then they come back. You know what I mean? Like it was just slow, so <laughs> fucking, hey, we got to take a break. We'll be right back kind of thing. Then it was just, you know, I, it's so abrupt that it was like, okay, I see what you're doing. That sucks that we couldn't keep going, but it's really the challenge to make that a transition. And then, like, the same thing. You ever notice, this is my, one of my biggest pet peeves. When you're watching a TV show, when they come back from a break, they always have a character reiterate the exact oh, last yeah, thing yeah. that just happened. What yeah. do you mean your mom blew up? Like that – what do you mean blank, 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 question mark is always like the first fucking line of dialogue yeah. or, or the last line of, li- line of dialogue is repeated again, and That's I That's something
1: that. I have to – I have to actually not, – not entirely, but I do have to do some amount of that – in trailer park warlock because installments From episode are between to
0: episode. People. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like episode to episode, it's a week of distance. So like there has to be some amount of like, okay, just to kinda catch y'all up on what was happening. A it's refresh. usually just a refresh. So like usually what I end up having to do is either I when I do this, it's usually one to three panels. Like so let's say that the previous episode had ended Right before like a big action sequence was going to happen i will usually start with that one moment or maybe maybe it's three panels to just kind of bring you back into it right um and the point of that is uh, same thing as what you were talking about it's to refresh because it's been a week right since you last read this chapter you may need to you may not be 100 percent remembering what happened you know, now I, have a, pe- I right? have a
0: question. Is that is that by your design or by an editor's?
1: This was something that over time was suggested to me by editors. And so I picked mm. up on what the logic was, you know, like I wasn't like. I wasn't going to just like do a whole, you know, let's do like five scene, you know, five panels or whatever. I, I'm willing to be able to be like, OK, here's three panels to sort of refresh. Go to title. And then let's get to the new stuff, because I know that for somebody who's reading it and they're not doing it week to week, like they're reading it binging. Yeah, they're binging it. That's going to be a totally different experience because they're going to have to go through that redundancy of like, oh, well, yeah. I just panels, right?
0: So you're not considering that, or you're not removing it when you once that, the the season it's is on finished. My
1: mind but for me it's like you can flip to those so fast you know it's not like it's not like if you're binging netflix where it's like you have to pause and then fast forward you know what i mean it's those one to that's why i choose one to three panels is because it's so such a small amount of like time and space mm. that it's negligible basically see cuz i'm
0: wondering if that's if if in modern day if we really need to do that like cuz i you know i mean i understand the logic behind it where it's like hey you know, shit's happened. Maybe people, you know, forgot or whatever like that. But then yeah. I look at something like Breaking Bad. And in that fifth and final season, they did not really do any recaps from what I did. Like, there was one time an episode ended, um, like, liter- I think it was just as a gunfight started or just as the gunfight ended. And yeah. then the next episode, the mo- like, literally the first shot is... Not even hearing like a gunshot, but it's like hearing the echo of the gunshot, the the last gunshot that was fired, and it literally picks up the the exact instant the last episode took off, it, because it was like, there's no way in hell anyone's gonna forget the end of that last episode, where yeah. you know it, is is Walt alive? Is Hank alive? Is the guy are the Nazi guys dead or what? Like what happened? Like they they were 100 percent confident in the fact that the the moment they left off. That, that everybody was going to remember where they were. um. So they just – the transition to them was just like, hey, we're not wasting time. Here we are. Yeah. Like, I, you know where we are.
1: I have a so lot I, of thoughts about that, and I will say, like – I mean, for a show like Breaking Bad and for – like, if it's a Netflix show, obviously yeah. it's so easy to, like, binge It's it. designed can,
0: for binge. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's no reason – there's absolutely no reason structurally – like, in terms of format there's zero reason to ever have to recap anything for anybody right mm-hmm. it's different when it is like uh when it is like a periodical type format so like here is well and granted breaking bad was a periodical type format and I think that's your point originally right? originally, originally yeah it was AMC, You're right like it was like it was released that way and we dealt with it for whatever reason, I will say that I'll get to this in a second. So what I wanted to get to is, um, as somebody who, when I was younger, watched a lot of anime, uh, anime is infamous for what are called recap episodes. So (laughs) you want to talk about redundancy? um, I
0: hate those episodes. They did that shit in sitcoms too, where it was just in um, the
1: nineties, especially the nineties were especially bad about having like, So, like, Xena is one I can think of where it was, like, end of season, usually. Uh, They would have, like, here's everything that happened during the season, but we're going to try and format it into some episode where, like, uh, you know, like, Gabrielle fell asleep and she's dreaming all the things she did during the season. Uh, Stargate uh, Stargate SG-1 did the exact same thing, and it drove me crazy. Um, It is... Something that I think is probably more of an artifact of the '90s. Uh, of... Go
0: ahead. I'm looking something up because I wanted to bring it up.
1: <laughs> because a lot of those anime that I watched were also '90s type anime, and I think that it was from a production standpoint, from the standpoint of like maybe you know, producers, executive producers are like, well, how is how are how are kids watching this going to be able to keep up with everything that's going on? I can barely keep up with it. Blah blah blah. Um, So, it was probably recommended to the directors or to the showrunners to have some sort of episode. That's
0: my nice show.
1: Yeah, that's my my nice way of thinking about it. My cynical way of thinking about it is we need to like pad out these like 26 episodes of like a gimme, you know? Yeah. Let's just recycle footage and.
0: The see well before earlier in the episode I, I talked about how YouTube changed how people perceive uh, jump cuts. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Netflix Netflix and the whole binging kind of phenomenon has changed the way our, our brains are wired to remember like jumping off points or cliffhangers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. It. It. it I. I really do feel like that has changed, and that those. Um reiterations of where we left off are kind of becoming redundant now where it's like everybody knows and if and you can also force your audience to go back and read it whereas because here's the thing a lot of those refresher things like they would air episodes and shit out of order uh, on uh, like reruns and stuff like you know what i mean so like it was necessary to have that context whereas now you're, you have a, a DVD box set. You have all of the episodes on Netflix. You have them on CBS All Access or whatever like that. So you don't really need that that replay. You can just go back and watch that episode. So you can force the hand of the audience member to go back and rewatch if they haven't. Um, it, for the most part, I've never seen myself go, oh, I don't know if I'm watching the wrong episode or not. Normally I can tell, oh, I skipped an episode or... Nope, this is right where something left off. Like that's how the story just goes. So I think that I think the times they are a changing, personally. Uh, I'm not like slamming you for doing that. I absolutely understand why. No,
1: I mean it's interesting because I'm thinking about it and I'm like in my mind I'm like, well, you know, when I'm totally done with Trailer Park Warlock, I probably will go back and touch up like those transitions because there will be zero reason. Unless for- you
0: unless you're changing things or you yeah. know what I mean? Or making no, things not different.
1: George, not George Lucasing anything, but just like changing out the, um, the, the recap stuff. Right.
0: I uh, see. I like the idea of doing recaps from a different perspective. That yeah. to me works when you, like yeah. you, you know, you have two people on two ends of the desert, each of them hiding behind a rock shooting at each other. And, you know, we've left uh, the last episode on that last hero on the hero and he got shot in the shoulder and he's bleeding out and it's like, Oh God, what's going to happen? And then, the next episode we start a couple seconds before that, but we're on the villain's side and he shoots and he gets him and you know what I mean? Like yeah. now, that to me is how you use a refresher. That's how I would like to use it in my work if I um had the opportunity to do it, where it's like, oh, I have to reestablish what's going on, but I can also add more information, I can do more character development. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I really like to squeeze all the juice out of the fruit if I absolutely have to. Um But the thing that I love, like so um there was an episode of Community where they did a clip sh- show and they did clips of episodes that never happened. And that was to me one <laughs> of the greatest fucking episodes ever. Um because I remember so distinctly looking at uh I was watching The Office when it originally came on and I've got that you know the the collection and all that jazz. But there's a clip episode in The Office. Like and I, and when I remember when I watched it I was like We're really not doing this, are we? We're really (laughs) doing this? And so when Community did it, it was such a breath of fresh air where it's like, oh, we're clipping to episodes that we never watched. You know what I mean? Like, And to me, that was genius. It was an acknowledgement that I think the times have changed and that the way people transition between episode to episode um, is different nowadays. And I think that's something like you talked about the Universal Monsters movies and how they didn't know about it. I think that the transitions is like, So people talk about stories being formulaic and I think transitions are the number one way to infuse new lifeblood into classic stories and formulas that may seem cliche or downtrodden. You know what I mean? Like to, to you can, you can get as creative as you want. Like how I talked about an alternate perspective um, for a transition or, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's like a real opportunity that artists have. And I don't think anybody's really acknowledging it is that a transition is an opportunity to make something new, to subvert expectations, to do all those kinds of things that people want to see while still getting, you know, um, what they're there for, managing the expectations. So, like, if I go to a steakhouse and I get a steak, like, I want it to be a fucking ribeye. I want it to be medium rare. I want it to be, you know, a high-grade choice or a prime ribeye. But if I want to try something new, man, these mashed potatoes with chocolate sounds kind of interesting. (laughs) Like, You know, like that's where I'll take my chances is like that little side thing that it's not the primary reason I'm there. And I think that's where, you know, if you walk away, you're like, oh, the steak was good. But those mashed potatoes with the chocolate was not good. Or it was like those mashed potatoes with the chocolate were amazing. That was the best steak dinner I've ever had. Like it's a little bit of a gamble, but I feel like it's like how I go to the casino where I go to the casino. I put money in a machine and then if I double the money that I put into the machine, I cash out. And I put it in my other pocket and then I take a 20 out and I put it back in. If I double that money, I cash it out and I put it in the other pocket and then that's done. Usually by kind of hedging those bets, I'll either come out ahead or I'll break even. And I feel like if you get artsy and crazy and experimental with transitions versus getting experimental with formula you're you're still likely to break even with your audience, whereas they won't hate you as much for fucking with transitions as they will with uh, story structure and formula and characters for sure. and things like that. So I feel like that's an opportunity. Like That's really where I think artists should be kind of blossoming. And I'm really looking forward to doing that in Haunted, where I want to... The challenge that I'm giving myself is to keep doing a classic horror movie. Like, it... If I can't call attention to the transitions, I really can't because that's not what people are there for. Like when you go to a horror movie, there's not really a whole lot of stylistic things. And that's another thing we need to talk about really quick while wrapping up. Transitions are definitely part of style. Do you oh, know yeah. What I mean? They're not, they, I mean, that's, yes, they are a function, but they're more so about style and style can either call attention or style can either stay hidden. And when you go to a horror movie, you really want something to be grounded and realistic so you can be immersive and it can feel like a threat. So you can feel horror and horror needs to be realistic. There are no crazy cuts and you know what I mean? Like wipe dissolves and shit like that in real life. So I, I am challenging myself to find creative ways to transition while not being so over stylistic that I break the, uh, attention span of my audience which i think is kind of fun it's actually like reinvigorated me to get back into the script where it's like oh i've seen this scene a thousand times i've rewritten it five thousand times you know like it gets a little boring even my own stuff that i love but now i'm looking at it from a different lens and i'm like oh how can i transition this and (laughs) that's where it's getting exciting again so to me that's what i think a lot of artists should do is look at whether i don't care if you're doing a painting from one corner to the other You got to transition somehow, whether you're using leading lines or perspective or whatever it may be. The transition has got to be there. And I I think that's something that's hella overlooked by all artists, including myself. Um, So I'm curious to know your thoughts about it. Like, is there anything that you're thinking about doing or have thought about doing with transitions that uh, might be different or a a challenge to our listeners or any kind of recommendations you might want to throw out?
1: It's a timely topic because the episode that I'm work I'm working on right now of Trailer Park Warlock uh, involves a flashback that's taking place uh, during like a fight scene, and so I had to like figure out the first challenging the first challenge was figuring out how much of the fight scene I'm going to do because I'm that's, that's going to happen over the course of not just one episode but multiple episodes and. I first started off with just doing, like, the idea was I'm going to do these flashbacks and then intersperse changes. So, like, it's going over the course of, like, a person's life and their involvement with a character who, uh like, later on dies in their backstory. So, like, mm. it's getting it's like. It, uh the flashback goes through transitions from like um, you know, birth to uh, being taught and trained to being initiated to being fully fledged, like in this organization that this person was training them to be in. And then the person who trains them dies. that's mm. that's the that's the late. that's the framework. yeah, and I want to do this while also, you know, this person's a, originally the idea was this person was as this person's being attacked to transition into the next episode where they have the fight. Well, I made some changes and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to actually have it to where the fight initiates in this episode because I want to do certain things where there's um, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. There's a point in the flashback where they're going through trials, they're going through like these different. Um, Parts of these trials within a ritual ceremony. And so, like, they're kind of being, like, they're being beaten up to a certain extent. And I want to transition that to, like, in the present, they're flipping around in the air and they're running it. They're, like, being thrown into a house to, uh, to, like, basically mesh those two ideas together to say, like, you know, this person's past and present are kind of taking place. Or as they're thinking about the past, it's taking place in the present, too. Uh, Conceptually yeah. So like Basically for me I don't think I'm thinking about it in a very functional sense And I'm not thinking about it in a This is probably stylistic You know what I mean It's probably stylistic but the way that I'm thinking about it Is just like can I get these two Things to match together
0: Transfer your file Oops Andrew here's your
1: reminder Transfer your
0: file. So if if anybody's listening, I have to transfer a file soon. That's one of the the wonderful ways for me to transfer uh, my attention span to an AI to remind me to do things. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So th- that's going to go off in another minute with another reminder. I can tell you that right now. So let's transition to our <laughs> ending. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in for this entire um season. This will be the end of season 1. I want to say thank you to everybody I, like I, we did this last week, but thank you to Rainwater for doing this with me. Thank you for people listening. Uh this has been one hell of a year. Um I did not end up where I thought I'd be. Just my <laughs> like I think we talked about last week. Um but this is kind of great. And thank you guys. There's my second alarm. Andrew, here is your reminder. No. <laughs> Andrew, here's your reminder. No, I think I think I just set that up accidentally. That's a happy accident. I think, I th- I think uh, my Amazon dot is telling me to shut the fuck up because I'll just go on another twenty minute rant thanking I think everyone. It's a
1: perfect transition to credits.
0: Yep, and that's the end. We'll see you guys in season two.